Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We are the covenant people of God. And when the covenant people of God turn back on their covenant commitment, then you can see these kinds of things, the drought and the famine and the different things that happen because God is chastening his people. He's drawing people back to himself. And he has every right to do that because we are his people. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on the book of Haggai. Now here's Pastor Brian. So we are in Haggai. Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi are now what we would call the post exilic or exilic, however you want to pronounce it, prophets. They prophesied to the nation after the Babylonian captivity. And the historical context, we find that in the book of Ezra. So I'm going to read to you just a few uh, verses from Ezra to kind of set the scene for what we're going to read here in Haggai. So in the third chapter of Ezra, and you don't need to turn there, it says, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. So this is pretty much immediately after they returned from Babylon. Of course, the the Medes and the Persians conquered the Babylonians. Cyrus became the king And uh, Cyrus gave a decree for the people to be able to go back to the land. So the 70 years of captivity have come to an end. And now now this group of people have gone back to Jerusalem. It says, Then Joshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priest, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates, began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening sacrifice. So, they are beginning now to restore the worship that had not taken place throughout the entire period of the captivity. And so they're laying the foundation for rebuilding the temple. But what happens as if we were to carry on in Ezra here, what we're going to see is that there was opposition. So the people who had been in the land, who had remained in the land after both the Assyrian and the Babylonian invasions, they had kind of settled in and made it, they saw it, well, this is our land now. And and we worship Yahweh, but we also worship 
the gods from the various nations that our ancestors came from or, or they, they might have come from. So they come to Zerubbabel and they say, we want to build a temple with you guys. We worship the same God you do. And Zerubbabel said, no, you, you actually don't worship the same God we do. And this is something that God has called us to do. And you, you can't participate with us in that. Now, this enraged them. They became very, very angry. And so they started doing anything and everything they could to prevent them from carrying on with the, the building of, or the rebuilding of the temple. The harassing didn't completely stop the work. So what they then did is they sent a message back to Persia saying that these Jews are rebellious. They're rebellious people. Look in your historical records. You're gonna find that they had great kings at one time. They were a powerful nation. And they're basically looking to rebuild their nation so they can revolt against your rule. And so they were able then after, this is after uh, the time of Cyrus, they were able to get the work to stop. And so Artaxerxes or Ahasuerus, I can't remember which one of the kings, but they then said, okay, yeah, we looked in the records, we saw these people can, can be a real problem, so they can't carry on with their work. And so for 15 years, the work stopped. So the, the foundation was laid, but then for 15 years, nothing happened because of the decree of the king and because of fear of reprisal. Now, when we come to chapter 5, there was one other thing. There was not only the outward opposition, but there was inward discouragement. So when they were laying the foundation of this new temple, the people who had knowledge of Solomon's temple, they were just so disappointed in this new thing that was happening. And so there's a moment where they're, they're kind of celebrating the progress that they've made and people are shouting at the laying of the foundation of the temple. And in the midst, in the shouting, there's two things happening. There's the newer generation who's shouting for joy because this is, this is a great moment and they're excited about this new thing that God is doing. But in the midst of the shouts, there's other people that are shouting, but they're wailing in their shouts. They're weeping and they're crying out because of discouragement because they think this, this is nothing. This is nothing in comparison to what Solomon's temple was. So there was the opposition from the outside. There was the interference from the government to stop them. And then there was the internal uh, discouragement. So all of this is the background. So when we come to chapter five, look at what it says. It says, now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Edo, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel and Joshua, uh, son of Jehozadak, uh, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem 
and the prophets of God were supporting them. So the the work is now restarting. And it's restarting because of the prophecy or because of the ministry of these two prophets. So basically, the, the prophets come into the situation and they say, what are you doing? How, why, why have you left off the temple for all of this time? You need to get back to work. Well, they would say, well, we've got so much opposition and you know the king gave a decree that we can't do the work. And the prophets exhort them by faith to take up the work again. And then as again, as you go on in the story of Ezra, you see what happens is the decree was overturned because they sent a message to the king saying, go back in your records and you're gonna find that Cyrus gave permission for us to do this. And when they discovered that that was the case, they reversed the decree and they allowed them to build. But they had to start building in faith before that happened. So when we pick up here in Haggai, this is the background. This is what is going on. Now, the name Haggai, nobody else in the Bible is named Haggai. Um, You know, many uh, names occur over and over again a number of times, but not Haggai, only this one time. And the name Haggai means uh, festive son. So apparently he was named after or during a time of a festival or, or something like that. So in the second year of King Darius or Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. Now, Zerubbabel, his name means born in Babylon. He is the grandson of Jehoiakim, who was one of the last kings of Judah. So he is of royal descent. And he is made the governor by the Persian king. He's made the governor over the land. And so this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So this was the attitude among the people. It's not time to rebuild the Lord's house yet. We, we need to wait. We need to, to wait for the circumstances to be more favorable is what they would have been thinking. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You, have, uh, you eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. So God is challenging them. And he's saying, Listen, think about this. You say it's not time to build the house of the Lord, but 
it's time to build your own houses. So they're building themselves luxurious houses and at the same time, they're completely neglecting what God says. And the Lord says, now think about this. Think about your experience. And then he describes what they are experiencing. You planted, but you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, you're never filled. You put on clothes, but you're not warm, and so on. God's saying, think about it. I'm doing this to you. (laughs) This is happening to you because you are neglecting to do what I've called you to do. So I am preventing the blessing that you should be experiencing. I'm preventing it from coming upon you. So these people at this time would be people who were obviously believers, but their priority was not the things of God. They believed in the God of Israel They had come back. They were planning to re-engage in the temple and in worship. You know, they were going to get to that. But they were preoccupied. They were distracted with their own interest. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, famous verse, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things will be added to you. The other things in the context are Things like your clothes, your food, your shelter, those kinds of things. The things that they're striving for but not attaining because they're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And, of course, they're not the only generation that that has happened with. Um, This happens over and over again. Remember Jesus told the parable of the... Um, we call it the parable of the sower, where a, a sower, a farmer, went out and he threw out the seed. And the seed landed on the various types of soil. Remember, it landed, first of all, on the, on the pathway, and then it landed on the rocky soil, then it landed among the thorns, and then it finally landed on the good soil. And Jesus interprets that for us, and he tells us that the... Um, the the hardened path, that what happens there is God's word goes out, but it finds no place in the heart because the heart is so hard that the minute it hits the heart, the devil snatches it away. In the parable, the birds came and snatched away the seed. The second is the rocky soil. And in the parable, the seed falls in the rocky soil It springs up quickly, but it has no depth. The roots don't go down. So when the sun comes out, it scorches it. And Jesus said, this is the person who hears the word, receives it with gladness, but then when trouble comes because of the word, immediately they turn away. But then the third one is the interesting one, and this is kind of parallel to what we're looking at here tonight. The third one is the one that falls among the thorns and yet the thorns choke it out so it never brings forth fruit to to the fullest capacity. And Jesus said, this is the person who hears the word of God, but the 
pleasures of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of the world, they choke the seed so it never brings forth fruit like it should. That's what's happening with this group of people here. So they're not bearing any fruit because the gospel is not their priority. Now, of course, the gospel is the New Testament period, but the things of God are not their priority. And so they're not bearing fruit. They're all entangled in the affairs of this life. And boy, I'll tell you, I mean, that is that's something that, of course, happens over and over again. It really happens a lot in cultures like we live in. We live in an uh, affluent culture. We live in a place where it's all about getting as much as you can and about enjoying life to the fullest and being as comfortable as you possibly can. And this is what most people spend their lives in pursuit of. And this is what sometimes happens to Christians as well. And I've known many people over the years, I've, I've known people who uh, have had seasons in their life where they're you know, building the temple of the Lord, so to speak. Now, they're just about the things of the kingdom. But then there, there came a point where they decided they were going to build their own house. They decided that they were going to make it more about themselves and their comfort. They're, they're still believers. They're still Christians. They show up at church once in a while. You see them. Or you might see them on social media doing the, the church hop, you know, whatever, whatever cool thing's happening on a Sunday, they might show up there. But most of the time they're on vacation somewhere, they're doing this, they're building that, they're buying this. And of course, if you talk to them, of course they believe in Jesus. Of course they love the Lord. But it's obvious that they're not putting the kingdom first. And in the end, those things that they think are going to satisfy them, bring them contentment, they're not going ha- to do it. And inevitably, there will come a point where they will have a rude awakening that, you know, this, this stuff, we, we pursued after this, we followed down this path, and we thought it was going to be this, but man, now our marriage has fallen apart. Our lives are wrecked. We're empty. We're you know, those are the things that happen because God does not bless a half-hearted, it's hard to even say devotion because devotion means you're committed to something. God doesn't bless a half-hearted approach to our relationship with him. He calls us to a full commitment. So that's what's happening here. He's calling them to that. So this is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you, bought, what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields 
and the mountains on the grain, uh, fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people, livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. So God is, again, he's just reminding them that I'm, I'm, I'm withholding the blessing. I've actually called for drought and I've called for these things. And remember, these are God's people. You know, sometimes we look at things that happen, maybe um, natural disaster types of things. We might look at a place that, you know, maybe it's earthquake or maybe there's a tornado or there's a hurricane or there's a tsunami or there, you know, there's some natural catastrophe or maybe it's a, uh, a drought, a famine type of a thing. And, you know, you, when you look at that on a kind of a global level, it's really hard to draw any absolute conclusion that this is God bringing a judgment. God certainly worked that way in the Old Testament period, but it's hard to have anything that you can really put your finger on from the context of the new covenant to say, oh yeah, that's what's happening here. But here's where you can see it. You can see it in the lives of believers because we are the covenant people of God. And when the covenant people of God turn back on their covenant commitment, then you can see these kinds of things, the drought and the famine and the different things that happen because God is chastening his people. He's drawing people back to himself. And he has every right to do that because we are his people. And so Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, here's the good news. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. So they did the right thing. They responded. They got their priorities in the right place. They put the things of God back at the top of the priority list. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. On the 24th day of the sixth month. So in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, Pastor Brian here, and I've got a book that I want to offer to our listeners this month, and it's a book by Jared C. Wilson, and 
The book is entitled The Imperfect Disciple. And what a great book because all of us are that person. We are all really that imperfect disciple. But the subtitle is Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together. And I think so often we sort of feel that way. But what we need to know is that God is for us, He's with us, and He's going to help us. And He has promised us grace so that we ultimately can get our act together. So I think this is going to be really encouraging. So we'd love to get a copy out to you. Just request it here from Back to Basics, The Imperfect Disciple by Jared C. Wilson. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson. You can order the book The Imperfect Disciple by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Imperfect Disciple by Jared C. Wilson, to help you experience God's grace that has the power to transform anyone. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Haggai. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.